And go ahead and be finding Psalm chapter 1 in your Bibles. Psalm chapter number 1. Psalm chapter 1. As you're finding your place, let's go ahead and we'll go to the Lord in prayer and we'll dive in. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for the time that we've already spent together here with one another and for the fellowship. Lord, we just pray, ask you that you'd be with us as we get into your word and as we uh, study this lesson this morning. I just pray that you guide and direct me and give me uh, clarity of uh, thought and clarity of speech. Lord, help me to say the things that are needful and helpful and accurate. Be with each person here, Lord. Help them to uh, glean from the service that which they need, Lord. I pray that it would encourage them, that it would draw them closer to you, Lord. And I pray that you'd be with those who aren't able to be with us this morning. I know we've got some working and things. Just pray your blessings on them, Lord. And ask you just help us as a church to be a light and a witness to those around us. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so what we've been doing here for the past several weeks, we've been looking into uh, spiritual health and spiritual growth. And our desire as Christians, uh, at least should be, for us to increase, for us to grow closer to Christ and to become more like Him. And one of the themes that we've been looking at is in Christian growth, in uh, spiritual health and things. Uh, if we put ourselves in a healthy environment for it, if we surround ourselves with things that are good, things that are holy, things that are pleasing to God, then we're going to uh, see growth in our lives. And the things that we've already looked at is, uh, of course, the Word of God is the first and foremost. We have the Word of God. We need to uh, need to be reading it, not for checking off a list, not because we have to or some kind of duty or obligation, but rather because it is for our health, our nourishment. It is food for our spiritual life. Through the Word of God, we are uh, gaining an understanding of uh, of the way that God thinks, of the things that are important to Him. Uh, as we're reading through, we're seeing a correct, a right way of how the world works. And we see that the world is broken, it is defiled, it is messed up. And we can read through the Word of God how God intended, uh, how God intended for us to live. It can correct our priorities, it can correct our focus, it can correct our wrong thinking and those kind of things. And so as we are reading the Word of God, it is uh, changing, it is transforming us. And so it is bringing about spiritual growth in that way. From there, we looked at prayer as being a key aspect of spiritual health and growth, because as we are praying, we are taking all of our burdens to, to God. We are casting all of our cares upon Him. We are considering Him and His desire, what He would have for us, and we are seeking His will. We are seeking His way. We are receiving uh, forgiveness. We found that uh, that's one thing that prayer is... Uh, one of the purposes behind prayer, that when we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. And so it gets the things out from between us and God. It puts the ball in His court, so to speak, with all of our cares and our worries. We know that they're in good hands. And so it kind of uh, breaks down that wall. It brings about fellowship between us and God. And so uh, prayer is extremely important to our spiritual growth. There's other things that we could look at as well. But then last week, what we were looking at was the importance of uh, church and of Christian relationships for spiritual growth. And we, ha we had a good time last week. We had good interaction and stuff. I appreciate that. Hope, hope that continues this week, so don't get quiet on me. But anyway, uh, what we looked at with uh, church attendance and uh, Christian relationships 
we find that iron sharpens iron. Right. And with that, we need to be around other Christians. They are going to sharpen us. They are going to help us. They are going to encourage us. Uh, we come to, to church. We hear the Word of God preached. We hear it taught. We hear it emphasized. And so it increases our learning, our understanding. It gives us a place for our questions to be asked and answered. It helps us to uh, interact with one another and gain and benefit from uh, others' experiences, to have others help us and guide us through problems and situations that arise in our life. It gives us uh, access to uh, all of that uh, wealth of uh, knowledge and experience, I guess, through one another. It gives us accountability if we will let our guard down and allow it. And some of the things that we were talking about last week is for that to happen in this church, for it to be a place that cultivates health and is going to bring about um, those benefits and those blessings that we we're talking about, uh, we need to uh, have a love one for another. Mm-hmm. There needs to be openness. There needs to be... Uh, what? I'll think you said something. We we need uh, I'm not used to people talking back. Okay, but anyway, we need uh, we need to have a bit of vulnerability, uh, let some walls down and different things, so that we can actually partake in one another's lives and uh, help one another. Uh, you can come to church and receive no benefit out of it if you come and you're closed off and you keep to yourself and you don't actually open yourself up and you don't actually interact. But we find and we look at it in Hebrews chapter number ten that there is benefits both ways that we give as well as receiving when we come to church. And if we come with the idea of uh, this consumer mindset, I'm coming to get what I can get, what does this place have to offer me, Uh, you're probably going to be in trouble. But we find that not only is there things that we're going to receive, but we also need uh, to come in order to uh, sow into other people's lives. And so this week what we're going to be looking at, uh, we've seen putting putting ourselves in the right environment around the Word of God, uh, in proximity to God in prayer, in proximity to our brothers and sisters in Christ through godly and uh, restorative relationships. But in growth, there is also enemies to growth. Uh, If we think about a garden, if we think about uh, planting uh, flowers or vegetables or anything like that, there's also uh, things that will hinder growth. There are things that will cause uh, sickness and uh, unhealthfulness in plants and things like that. And the same is true for us as Christians as we're seeking to grow. There are things that we could we could liken to, uh, to disease, to pestilence and things in a garden that can bring about uh, uh, health and sickness in plants and whatnot. And so for us as Christians, there are things that we need to Uh, be careful of, we need to be sensitive to, we need to be watching out for, because they will come into our lives and they will be unhealthy for us. They will cause us uh, trouble in our growth. They will sap our strength, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that we're going to be talking about today. And so if you want a kind of a a title or an overall thought on it, is we're going to be looking at uh, uh, controlling influences in our lives, okay? Monitoring influences. And another way that we could, uh, another way that we could put that, uh, I preached a message several several weeks or months ago, and in that I talked about being a gatekeeper in our lives, and uh, being able to uh, control what we allow in, what we allow to influence us, 
and those things that we allow to influence us can cause harm to us. And so we're going to start with this, and like I said, I hope for there to be some discussion and things, but I want to start with just a couple couple passages that we're going to be looking at, maybe a little bit of a lesson, and then we'll go into some discussion. But in Psalm chapter number one, we're going to read the first three verses. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so what we've been talking about through this study is basically verse number three. We want to be like a tree planted by the waters, bearing fruit in in due season, our leaf not withering, and we want to be seeing our lives prospering. We go up to verse number one. It starts with the word blessed. And whenever we see that word blessed in the Bible, it's talking about joy. It's talking about happiness. And so we can say instead of blessed, happy is he. And that's what we're seeking after. We want health. We want happiness. We want to see ourselves growing and prospering. We want to see ourselves healthy spiritually. And so there is a a bit of a contrast here. Uh, We could see it as a fork in the road, if you will. Two different ways, two different choices, two different ways that we could go. The one leads to health and blessedness, and the other one is going to lead to unhealth. It's going to lead to hardship. And so in this first verse, I see this as being uh, almost a, a process happening here. Whenever it says, blessed is the man that walketh. So we're starting out, we're walking, right? Mm-hmm. And then it says, nor standeth. Well, we, set, we, we stood still, right? Mm-hmm. We've been walking, and then we stopped for a bit. And then it says, nor sitteth. We plant ourselves there. Okay, and so these, this is almost like a process or progress or not progress. I guess it'd be the opposite thing away from health and away from godliness. And so it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. For walking in the counsel, that means that their way of thinking, their way of doing things, the way that the ungodly thinks that we should live. And we're not talking about physically walking, like exercise and whatnot. But if we're walking, if that's the manner of our life, if we're going the way of the world, if we're walking in the way that the world says that we should, it says that that's the opposite of blessed, right? Mm -hmm. And then it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, that doesn't mean that you're like blocking them from getting down the footpath that you're standing in the way. But it means that you are in their realm, in their area. That's where you decided to stop and stay for a while. And so if you are hanging around, if you are staying around uh, those who are against God and unrighteous, then uh, that's going to be the opposite of going after blessedness and health. Nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. And so there you've already found your place, you've planted yourself, you have sat down, you mean to stay for a while amongst those who are scornful. Well, what does it mean to be a scorner? That is someone who is... Uh, critical. That is someone who is uh, what's mocking, mocking. And so the world that we live in today, there are plenty of scorners in this world. 
that mock and that ridicule the things of God, that joke around and are irreverent and blasphemous against the things of God. And so it says, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be uh, joyful and happy and see growth and health in your life, then don't walk according to the ways of the world. Don't hang out with the sinful men and don't hang around those and stay amongst those who are mocking and who are rebellious and who are against the things of God. And instead it says, but his delight, those who are blessed, those who have chosen to remove themselves from these ungodly influences, instead is making sure to expose themselves to the godly influence of God's word. They have a hunger and a thirst after righteousness, right? Uh, we've talked about how Job said that he uh, he desired God's word above his necessary food. We talked about that, right? And so he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And whenever it talks about him meditating day and night, it doesn't mean that he's sitting there with his legs crossed. And, um, doesn't mean that he's sitting there and he's reading it constantly and he does nothing else. He's quit his job and he's went into uh, a room somewhere and he's sitting down and doing nothing but reading the Bible. But instead, he is thinking on, that's what it means to meditate, right? He is thinking on the things of God rather than on the things of the world. And he says that's where blessedness comes from is rather than being submersed in this world, he is submersed in the things of God. And that brings about health, like a tree planted by the waters that is bringing forth fruit, fruitful tree, not withering and prospering. And so this is our desire for our Christian life. And so in this passage, what we're already seeing here is that there are unhealthful, there are uh, detrimental, if you will, things that we can surround ourselves with that are going to impede our spiritual health, that are going to stand in the way of our spiritual health. And so what we end up needing to do is that we need to make wise decisions on what we allow to influence us. Okay, the next place I'll have you turn to is uh, Genesis 13. And we see a, a great example of the passage that we just read. been a while since I've mentioned a good, bad example, right? We find that in Genesis chapter 13. We'll read just a few verses here. And then uh, verse, number, verse number 10 says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from another, Lot from Abraham. Uh, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And so in the example of Lot, we find a godly man what we would consider a Christian by Old Testament standards, right? And he had walked with Abraham, and whenever Abraham separated from his people, Lot said, okay, Abraham, I want to go where you're going. I want my God to be your God. I see something in you, and I want to, uh, I want to go along with that. And whenever they got to the land of Canaan and in the land that God was going to give to Abraham, uh, they both had great wealth, and they had prospered, and their cattle were many, and their herdsmen began to fight one with another. And Abraham said, 
this isn't good. We're brethren. It's not good for us to have this warfare, this squabble between us. And so he says, Lot, I'll let you decide. You go where you want to, and then I will separate from you, and I'll go elsewhere. And it says that Lot looked down on the well-watered plains here. He said, those are fat pastures for my sheep. And so I'll go down there. I will prosper in there. And it doesn't matter that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and of the plains are wicked. I won't get too close to them. I'll stay away from a little while. It won't hurt me to go down there. I'll feed my sheep. I'll keep my distance. I will prosper down there and I'll do okay. And so the first thing that he does is put distance between him and Abraham, the godly influence, and he gets in closer proximity to an ungodly lifestyle. And remember I said there was a process that kind of unfolded in Psalm chapter 1, where at first they were walking, and then they were standing, and then they were setting, right? Mm -hmm. And so at first it says that Lot pitched his tent uh, towards Sodom. He says, okay, those people over there are a bad influence. It's an unhealthy environment for me. But if I stay out here and pitch my tent here, I can have minimal contact with them and will be fine. But as he had his minimal contact with them, the contact increased and he started to get used to their way of living. He started to get used to their lifestyle. The things that they were doing no longer bothered him and he started moving his tent closer. I can imagine the conversations and he would tell his wife, you know, that journey down there to town to go and buy supplies and things is getting really far. You know, it wouldn't have hurt us to just move a little closer, right? Get our tent and we'll just move a little bit closer. And they move a little closer. It wasn't too long before the wife started maybe making some friends in Sodom and different things going on there. And there was a house that came up for sale. And they bought a, a house in Sodom. Okay. And then they were not just pitching their tent towards Sodom. Now they're living in Sodom. And whenever we come to chapter number 19, this is where Abraham is uh, visited by an angel. And the angel tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham bargains with the angel. I believe he's actually a Christophany. He's bargaining with Christ. And he says, if there's 10 righteous people in that city, will you promise not to destroy it? And I think he was counting Lot and his family. He's like, okay, well, there's Lot, his wife. He's got the two daughters at home. There's four of them. He's got other daughters with, married to other men. So there's uh, at least eight of them. Maybe there's a few more of them. Surely there's 10 righteous people there. And God says, I won't destroy it for the sake of 10 righteous people. We know he went. He didn't find 10 righteous. And Lot, his wife, his two daughters left that place before it was destroyed, okay? But whenever the angel comes into Sodom, it says that it, it, they find Lot setting at the gates of the city. And if you study a little bit about Jewish, or about, not Jewish, but about uh, culture in that area at that time, the gates of the city is where the government was. That was the seat of government. That's where business was transacted. That was where you would be going if you wanted to uh, get anything done, was at the gates. And Lot now has a seat at the gates of the city. Remember how we were talking about walking and standing sitting. and sitting. And so he didn't just pitch his tent towards Sodom. He has now surrounded himself by Sodom in the ways of Sodom. He's not just near them. He's among them. And now he's involved with them. Okay? And it gets to the place where their wickedness and the things that he is constantly surrounded by every day that God saw as an abomination that God was willing to wipe that place out for, 
no longer affected him, but it affected his family. Whenever the angel said, Lot, get your family and get out of here, he went to his uh, sons-in-law that were married to his daughters. So he had two that was at home and at least two that was married already. And it says that he seemed as one that mocked. And so they were, guess what, scorners, right? And so they mocked him. They ridiculed him and they laughed at him because he had already lost all testimony with his sons-in-law and with his daughters. And so as they were there in the city, they were begging his children, his probably his grandchildren, to come out of that place. The angel said, it's time. You have to get out of here. And they had to literally, physically drag Lot and his family out of that wicked place because they had became so enmeshed and entrenched in that place. And they drug him out, put him outside of the city, and Lot's wife's heart was so tied up with that city and with, no doubt, her children that were still there that she looked back, became a pillar of salt, right? Mm -hmm. And then his daughters that did come out with him were so corrupted by the ways of Sodom, they looked as they were in the cave with with their father, and they said, there's no man for us to marry. The city that we have our entire lives in is destroyed. Let us make our father drunk and have children by our own father. How scrambled does your egg have to be to come up with that plan? Right? And so the reason why I go through all of this, it is a sad, it is a horrible story of what happens whenever we allow ourselves to be surrounded by the wrong influence. I have no doubt whatsoever that Lot thought in his mind, I can handle it. It's not that bad. I can keep myself holy. I can keep myself pure while being surrounded by that. I can allow these things in without it corrupting me, without it tarnishing me. I can be a part of this without it being a part of me. I can go down amongst them, and there's there's been many people who've been lost to this mindset. I can be a better witness if I'm down there amongst them, right? I'll go and influence them, and it happened the other way around. And so we see the price that he paid. But if you turn over to Second uh, Peter, Second Peter chapter number two. Verse number seven. Uh, let's look back at verse number six. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that afterwards should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot. That doesn't mean only Lot. That means righteous, that he is just, okay? He's justified by faith, not by his works. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now, I don't even like that word vexed. I mean, that's not just troubled. He is vexed. His mind and his heart, everything is messed up. It is troubled. It is burdened down, right? It is vexed. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's conversation. is not just their speech. It's their way of life. Verse 8, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And so it goes even further explaining here that day by day, the things that he was seeing and the things that he was hearing, 
is what ended up vexing his soul. And it says there that, um, yeah, vexed his righteous soul from day to day. The things that he saw and things that he heard. So for us as Christians, what is the, the lesson for us to learn from this? We find we want to be healthy. We want to be growing. We want to have God's word springing up in us. We want to have our minds and our hearts cleansed and purified. We want to be conformed to the image of God. We want to be doing the things that is pleasing to him. We want to be experiencing his good and his perfect and his acceptable will. We want all those things, but we have a choice in the environment that we surround ourselves by. The place that we plant ourselves, the things that we expose ourselves to is going to have an effect on our mind and on our heart, on our walk, on our spiritual health. And so in this life, we have to make a decision to, like I said earlier, we need to be gatekeepers, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter number five. One of the verses I keep reading and uh, quoting here is verse 15, but this actual, this whole passage is really good. Uh, I won't read it for sake of time because I do want us to uh, have some discussion and things. But in verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so he tells us here to be walking circumspectly, be attentive, be paying attention to where we're walking, to what we're surrounded by, by or for what we're uh, allowing to influence our lives. We are careful. We are paying attention. It says not as fools, because what does a fool do? He doesn't pay attention. He doesn't look to his going. He doesn't see what's happening around him. He just walks off into destruction, right? I compared this recently whenever I brought this passage up to you ever see the pictures of the videos of people on their cell phone walking in public and like walk into a light pole or fall into a fountain there was one that was going around a few years ago of a woman that was walking through like a shopping mall she's just texting and next thing you know she just like trips and falls right into a fountain it's hilarious but guess what she wasn't walking circumspectly she was walking as a fool and so we have a comparison here the fool is going to walk straight into destruction the wise person is going to look well into his goings. He's going to see what's going around him, and he is going to make sure to set himself apart, set himself aside from those things that is going to vex his soul, from those things that's going to cause problems and ill health and disease, if you will, cancer in our spiritual lives that will bring about destruction. Um, mm-hmm. So it denies the, the existence of God. It denies the word of God, denies the ways of God, all of those things. That's what the fool does. And so the wise man is going to be the opposite of that. He's going to be very aware that there is a God. That he's going to be very aware of the presence of God, the reality of God. And he's going to be attentive to his word and to his way, right? Uh, and so as we look at our Christian lives, what are some things that we stand um, stand a risk of allowing into our lives that can hinder our walk, that can cause issues in our walk, that can bring about this unhealth that we're talking about? 
And so this is where I want your all's interaction. This is where I want you all to, to be thinking with me here. What do we need to be paying attention to to guard our lives and our growth? Mm-hmm. That's a big one, and that really relates to a lot of what we read so far. And so you are going to be monitoring who you let in, right? Now, it's not saying, okay, we're going to separate as Christians and have a little commune over here. We're going to, uh, you know, not have anything to do with anyone who's not just like us. Now, that'd be messed up, right? But we do have to decide the relationships that are unhealthy for us and set about boundaries, right? And so whenever there are people who are engaging in things that is wicked and ungodly, if you are constantly hearing about it, if you're subjecting yourselves to the dirty jokes that they're telling, if you're hearing about their sinful lifestyles and desires, if all the things that are coming out of their mouths is wickedness, then that's going to wear on you from day to day. That's going to work on the ways that you think, right? And so people is a huge one. Who you marry. And we've got several people in here that are uh, unmarried. And one of the biggest, maybe I shouldn't say one of the biggest, probably the biggest influence in your life is going to be who you uh, go to bed with every night, who you share your life with who you raise your children with, all of those things. And it's the one that will either make you or break you. Right? I, I, I can tell you, my, my real brother used to be a total different person before he got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? He used to be very close brother. Now we hardly even talk. Yeah. You know? So the, the most important thing in that relationship... First of all, you better be walking with God because you don't know what lays behind the surface of the other person. You don't know what they're thinking in their mind and their heart. There's been plenty of people who thought they knew the person they were marrying only to find out either years or even decades later that they didn't. And so that's where you better have a good relationship with your Heavenly Father to figure out who He wants you to be with, right? And then you need to be figuring out what that other person is and not jumping into things foolishly and prioritizing the things of God in that relationship. So the types of things that you consume, your entertainment and your information that you're consuming is going to shape the way that you think. It's going to shape your worldview, your outlook on things. And um, so whenever we are constantly pumping into our minds and into our hearts uh, ungodly things, if it is an ungodly perspective, it's if, if it's an unbiblical worldview, that's going to start changing and transforming us, okay? And it's not even necessarily that which is outright sinful, okay? Now, I'll tell you, if the, the things that you are consuming is glorifying the ungodly, that is going to have a horrible effect on your heart, your mind, your relationship with God. It is going to grieve the Holy Spirit that lives within you. 
you look at the entertainment of today, the television shows that are on, the movies that's being put out, the type of music that's coming out, all these different things, it glorifies uh, fornication and adultery. It glorifies uh, abuse. It glorifies uh, drinking and drug use and all kinds of things that are contrary to the Word of God. Uh, swearing and ungodly relationships and ungodly behaviors, and it glorifies it. And what it will do, it'll do just like Lot. It'll desensitize you to it. And this is a, a different subject for a different day. But if you even look a little bit at the history of entertainment, you will find that I believe the devil has used entertainment to make things mainstream and acceptable. Because if people aren't willing to accept it on Main Street, they will accept it in their entertainment and it will desensitize them to it. And so entertainment ends up being just a few steps ahead of society. And so the agenda that the devil would like to push, he's going to get you used to it through the things that you entertain yourself with. And the things that you entertain yourself with is going to be where you're going to end up at in a couple of years or society's going to end up in a couple of generations, right? And so we see those things happening and it happens so subtly and we can make excuses just like I'm sure a lot did and say, this isn't going to affect me. I know better. I have a good foundation. I can watch this. I can laugh at it, but I'm not going to partake in it. But just wait, it will. And it affects the way that you think. I'll give a personal illustration that I've given before, okay? And this is one that somewhat uh, seems somewhat simple and uh, maybe even a little bit silly, okay? But back whenever I lived in the States, uh, for a while during elections and things in the States, the campaigns can get very charged, and uh, uh, the political thing is, is big in the United States, okay? And so I got big into politics, and I got big into cable news and to all of these talk shows on the radio and on the television, okay? So what problem is there with that? I mean, they're not glorifying sin. It's not uh, talking about all these other things. But what it was doing is there was a very cynical, judgmental, selfish tone in the way that these things were presented, and as I was subjecting myself to that day by day, week after week, it started to filter in to me into my heart. And I started becoming more cynical, more prejudiced, more judgmental in the way that I was behaving, and it began to affect me. And Les even pointed it out, and she said, I can see a change in you because of the environment you are planting yourself in, okay? And so I had to come to this place where I said, this is unhealthy for me. Okay? And so I had to just walk away from it, go away from it. And so to this day, I still don't get too plugged into news and politics. Okay? Just for the sake of my sanity and my marriage. Okay? Because I don't like who it makes me become. Does that mean that there's something wrong with anybody listening to that kind of stuff? No. But for me, I saw the effect that it was having on me, and I had to decide this is a rotten branch I need to lop off, okay? I used to drive back from Dublin every day when I used to work there and uh, listen to this talk show mm -hmm. and news talk. Mm -hmm. uh, with, what's the name? Hook? What was his name? 
I just kept on listening to this every day. After a while, man, I mean, I knew every bit of news that was out there, and it, and it just, it like, almost rules your life, you know. It was almost a, a addictive to put that on the, every day to, to find out what's next, you know. And I eventually had to turn it off because, I mean, like, after about a year of, what, uh, of listening to this, you know, I was mm -hmm. like, man, just my peace. I didn't feel like I had peace in my heart, you know. It's, not that there was something wrong with it, it's just yeah. that it's... It's so much negativity. Life, yeah. You know what I mean? That it's, you, yeah, there's so much negativity there that, that eventually your life just becomes almost negative. And you begin to meditate on that instead of the things of God. Exactly. And then you view, like let's say, certain people a certain way just because of this news event yeah. that, you know. Divisive, yes. Or whatever, you know. But the government does that a lot. I don't know. It's divisive. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just want to talk about that politics. Mm -hmm. We are talking about. I think we have to put a barrier mm -hmm. between ourselves and this politics thing. Someone sent me a video <coughs> yesterday um, about because we are going to be changing government mm -hmm. in my nation in Nigeria. Yeah. And the pastor, Peter, I think you know Winner Chapel, Winner Chapel of Oyedepo, a big church in Nigeria, Winner Chapel. It's a massive church. Mm -hmm. So the uh, this man was preaching in the church, mm -hmm. saying that you have to vote for um, don't vote for someone that will kill you. You know, mm -hmm. it's none of his business. Mm -hmm. If if I'm if I'm right, mm -hmm. so it's kind of what he was preaching. Maybe last Sunday, you know, advising people to vote. I won't. I will not go and say that on the people. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, we've got a more important message to preach than exactly. politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 you know, but what he's saying because Nigeria is always being ruled by Muslim, mm -hmm. or Muslim is mm -hmm. trying to say someone has to to vote for Christian this time, mm -hmm. which it I don't know, but it sounds very um one kind to know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's right for you to go and peep it. I'm telling people to vote for whoever. <laughs> no. Well, just as a just as a, a little bit of biblical thought on this, okay? okay. You look through Jesus' message, John the Baptist's message, mm -hmm. uh, the disciples' message. They went about preaching the kingdom of God. They went about preaching uh, the gospel, and even though things were extremely political, I mean, things were extremely political. In Jesus' day, he wasn't preaching politics. One thing that he was doing, he was preaching God's word and godly principles. And so here's the thing, as a pastor, if I am, if I am teaching the word of God, if I am uh, telling you all godly principles and helping you to grow, you've got the word of God, you've got the Holy Spirit, and you've got a brain between your ears, okay? that you can look at the politics that's out there and say, does that line up with God's word? And you can go and vote without me having to tell you who to vote for. Right. Exactly. right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that's the thing, is these things can get into our mind, into our heart. And 
just as an example with this, with politics and everything, and I don't want to stay here too long. It wasn't where I was planning on being. But over the past two years or more with COVID and all junk that went on with it, there are churches that have split as a result of vaccine versus anti-vaccine. There are people who have fought it out. There are all these different things. And they thought that this was the, the hill to die on. This was the issue of the day where they ended up creating division and hurt between uh, the body of Christ over government and politics. Yeah. Which is really what Satan wants, isn't it? It yeah. is. Split up some churches, yeah. People think, oh, I'm taking the mark of the beast. Oh, yeah. you're taking the mark of the beast, you know. <laughs> and through it all, I've tried as a pastor to kind of, I don't want to be wishy-washy, but it wasn't something that was important enough for me to spend any time in behind the pulpit, especially. But even in talking, I'll, I'll tell you my opinions and stuff, but it carries no more weight than my opinion. Okay. Cause everybody has an opinion. Okay. But here's the thing. These aren't things that we make the most important, but how do those things become the most important? It's the things that we are allowing to influence us. It's the things that we are listening to. In the same way that politics will get into some people, I know us as men, I believe especially, are more prone to this, okay? We've got to stay away from this kind of thing, okay? But uh, it's not just politics. It is all of our entertainment. It is all of our information. It's the things that we allow into ourselves. And if we aren't walking circumspectly, if we aren't paying attention to the things that we are allowing to come into our homes and come into our heads and into our hearts, then we are walking as fools and we are on a road to trouble just like Lot was, okay? And I know even whenever the girls were younger, and we're getting ready to go through this all over again with Melody, I guess, but whenever the girls were younger, uh, I was very cautious and very careful about the things that I let them watch because I realized that behind every, uh, every movie, every TV show, everything that was coming out, there was an agenda, right? And so it was communicating a thought, an idea. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, does this align with Scripture? Does this align with God's worldview? And oftentimes it wasn't. And so I was careful when I would let them watch this or watch that whenever I would introduce this because I knew that their minds were very easily shaped. Their worldview and their outlook was very easily shaped and I wanted it to be shaped by Scripture, not by what the world was putting out, okay? And I'm not getting into any kind of specifics on this because there are those that would go down the line and they'd create rules and they would say, you can do this and you can't do that and you can do this. You can't. I'm saying, we, as I said just a moment ago, you've got a Bible, you've got the Holy Spirit, and you've got a brain in your head, okay? And so you also have a responsibility for figuring out what is best for you and for your family with the understanding that there is things that is going to be harmful to you, that's going to be harmful to your family, and you have to figure out uh, where to draw the line, where the boundary is. You have to be the gatekeeper. And I can't make those calls, just like the, the thing with the TV news and stuff like that. That may not be something that bothers anyone else, but I had to make a call for me. You may be able to handle that. So that brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 23. And I think this is a good guideline to go by. 
Paul's going with the Corinthians sort of discussion about uh, what they allowed and what they didn't allow, specifically in uh, meats that were offered to idols and that kind of thing. And so with the meats that were offered to idols and with uh, that kind of debate that was going on, the Corinthians said we came out of idolatry and some of them it troubled, some of them it didn't. And so they had to have a little bit of guidance from Paul. And Paul still doesn't set down a firm rule that you must do this or you must do that. But instead, in verse 23, he says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And so this is a good guideline to go by and say, Okay, can I do it? Yeah, all things are lawful, right? I'm not going to lose my salvation over this. There's nothing that I can do. Christ has already taken care of that on the cross. If you are saved, you are saved, okay? And so does that mean that we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, God forbid, right? And so just because I can do it doesn't mean that I should. And so he says, all things are lawful for me. Does that mean he can go out and commit murder and adultery? No, let's not be stupid, okay? But whenever he's talking about these things that are questionable in our lives, he says, I may be able to do it, but he says, not all things are expedient. Not all things are necessary. And then he says, not all things edify. So these things may not be healthy for me or those who are around me. That's what he's saying. And so the judgment isn't, whether or not I can do it, it's whether or not I should do it. And for that, Paul is advocating here for us to walk circumspectly, for us to uh, be looking to our own lives and to our own uh, hearts and being in a relationship, walking with God and allowing His Spirit to guide and direct so that we are sensitive to the things that are going to be harmful and those that are going to be helpful. And we draw a line. In John chapter number 4 and verse number 1, or First John, I think it is, chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, try the spirits. Yeah. Try the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. And so what it's meaning by that is not meaning to go out and taste test and sample and stick your foot in and make sure and, you know, not try it out. But it's meaning put it to the test. It's saying, I'm going to take that, I'm going to scrutinize it, and I'm going to say, is this of God or not? And so everything that you're allowing into your heart and your mind, you look at it and say, for instance, okay, we talked about entertainment, we talked about information. So the movies that you're watching, the things that you're listening to, music and different things, you look at it and say, okay, is the message against the things of God? Are they promoting something wicked and sinful? If they are, why do I want to put it in my head? Right? And so you're listening to the message. You're saying, what is this doing to me? Uh, I gave the, the girls two different things to evaluate, okay? I said, what does it say? How does it make me feel? So as they've got, you know, iTunes opened up or whatnot, what does it say? How does it make me feel? Is the message that it is uh, putting across by words, is it ungodly? 
Is it going to cause me to be thinking on things that I ought not to be? Is it going to be shaping my mind and my heart toward this world instead of toward God? If that is its message, if its words are ungodly, then I need to put my foot down. I need to close the gate to that, right? Mm -hmm. And then how does it make me feel? Because not all things are in words, but it's also because entertainment is made to manipulate our mind, our heart, our emotions, right? So how is it making me feel? And just through uh, television or movies, entertainment, music, and things, it can bring about emotions and feelings that aren't healthy for us. Bring up anger and rage and resentment and these different things in our emotions are those of God. Things of God is joy and peace and goodness and righteousness, right? Person, mm-hmm. I have had to cut off a lot of that out of my life yeah. for my safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, even you just talking about that, I can think of a certain song or a certain this, and it takes me back to who I was with and what I was doing and all that junk. And yeah, I may not be physically there, but it's harmful for me mentally to be there. So okay. I totally understand. Well, and that's that's a lesson for the younger ones in here is that you're going to be. Uh, making memories, associations, and all these different things all throughout your life that are going to be affecting you later on. You say, well, I can handle it. It's okay. But it's going to be things that later on are going to be difficult for you. You know, I might be able to listen to a song. It doesn't bother me at all. But as soon as you hear it, it takes you back to what you were doing back whenever you were a teenager in school. And it's like, I don't want to be back there, right? Right. Just as as a random example there. Okay? And so... How is it making me feel? What effect is it having on me? What is it saying? And so there are things that I'm going to be closing the gate on. I'm going to be saying, I don't want that in my heart and my life because it pulls me away from God. It builds a wall between me and God. It is not good for my spiritual health and my spiritual growth. So this person is detrimental to my growth. I'm going to put some distance between me and them. Okay? There's a lot of talk today about toxic relationships, toxic people, right? Okay. Sometimes there are some of those relationships we need to get away from. Uh, Our entertainment, our information and things. We look at that and say, that's causing my mind and my heart to be troubled. That is uh, promoting things that is ungodly. That is causing me to think on things that I shouldn't be thinking on, things that aren't good and holy and righteous and things. And so I'm going to put some distance between myself and that because it will shape your love, your affection for God. It will shape your uh, worldview and your look at other people and all these things. And so we are evaluating influences. So does anyone have any other comments, anything? Uh, but I've been talking more than I wanted to. Maybe more than you want me to. So we can be thinking if we see things in our in our life that we realize are going to be problematic. It comes down to priority, doesn't it? Yeah. What's more important to me? Uh, I can I can go ahead and I can let these things in. I can say, well, so and so is doing it. Everybody else around me is doing it. 
it'll be okay. It won't hurt me any. But the thing is, if I'm prioritizing my relationship with God, if I'm saying that I want Him above all else, then in order for that, I'm going to have to uh, get rid of some of these competing things. Okay? Now, let me go to the opposite end of this for a second. There are those that take extremes on this. Yeah. Okay? There are those that take extremes on this, and what I mean by that is they go out almost like they're hunting for the boogeyman. <laughs> and under every rock and every under under every leaf, there's a problem with this, there's a problem with that, and they overthink yeah. everything. Okay? And then they trouble themselves because everything has a problem in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so what we're talking about here is we are using our God-given brains, we're using His Word, we're using His Holy Spirit, and a good bit of common sense. By the way, don't deceive yourself. It's easy to deceive yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Lot did. Say, it's okay. It's not that bad. It won't bother me. When at the same time, you realize it is. Right? right? You can lie to yourself. We lie to ourselves more than anybody. Yeah. You know, as a person, I wouldn't lie to you for anything, but I lie to myself regularly. <laughs> right? That's the truth. And if you think that's funny or wrong or whatnot, hey, you probably do the same thing. But here's the thing, uh, in our walk with God, we need to be mindful of it, we need to be intentional of it, and guarding ourselves from things that's going to take us away from Him. Okay. This isn't meant to be a huge burden, this isn't meant to be something heavy and like you're, uh, I've compared this oftentimes to uh, some people, it's like walking a tightrope, and you're afraid of a misstep. That is not what a healthy and growing and vibrant Christian life is. It's not, I have to read my Bible or God's mad at me. I have to pray or this is going to be the result. It's not all of these things that some people uh, fall back into. But instead, it's, I want a good relationship with God. I want spiritual health. I want growth. Therefore, I'm going to read His Word. It's not God's going to be mad at me if I don't do this or they expect me to do this, so I'm going to pray. It's not that I'm navigating a minefield and all of the things that I'm doing day to day. I'm looking at it and I'm evaluating, is this healthy for me? Is this good for me? Is this wise for me? And then you make the choice. And you either say, okay, there's nothing wrong with this, and you go one. Or you say, it's probably not the best for me, and you abstain, right? Anything else? Did I cover everything? Said all that needs to be said? Okay. So, with that, if you think of anything else, we'll cover that later, right? Let's go ahead and we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and that will take a break. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for the examples in your word, Lord, and the truths that have come out of it today. Uh, Lord, we just we desire to uh, live a, a godly life. We desire health and growth. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us, Lord, to surround ourselves with the things that edify, with the people that are going to be uh, helpful and encouraging to us. And Lord, we, we guard ourselves against these things that are going to be detrimental, that it's going to be harmful to us as Christians. 
Help us to prioritize uh, your your will and your way over the the ever changing uh, tides of society and culture and all of this, and even over the lust of our flesh. Lord, help us to put you first. And Lord, I just pray to God and direct us. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to your word, to your spirit. And Lord, help us, Lord, as I said, to use our God-given brain to discern these things, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you do. We ask for your, uh, your hand to be upon the rest of the service as well. We do thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.